0: Everybody, welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined this Tuesday, week four, by Denny Carter. We will be taking a spin through the week's biggest headlines. We're being joined by Jennifer Eakins, where we will discuss some play at your own risk players going forward. Jen has been writing an excellent weekly column for us, but we're going to be taking a look at this from a season long perspective, and some of the names will leave your blood cold. No, I mean, you probably won't be that surprised by a lot of them, but a lot of the uh, you know, guys off the shaky starts. And if we need to be concerned going forward, guys like Alan Robinson, Bob Woods and many, many more explosive names. But first, Denny, you know, we have you on the record as despising pumpkin spice. Um,
2: that is that
0: is one thing. Yes, uh, that is one thing. Uh, but, you know, the elitist that you are, you've probably sat in one too many Starbucks drive throughs. You don't like. The pumpkin spice, but right. what I want to know is, what are your feelings on fall? Uh, the you know the season, the pumpkin spice is synonymous with you know widely considered the greatest season in this country of the United right. States of America. Uh, what do you what do you think of fall?
1: Yeah, my my feelings on fall are complicated because the uh, the contrarian in me that won't shut up wants to not like fall, wants to dislike <laughs> fall because everybody loves fall. Right and, and and there's reason for that. Okay, it's it's not it's not for nothing. And in most, not most, in some of the United States, it's very temperate. It's nice. The leaves are changing slash dying, and you know, uh, and we get to wear fancy uh, scarves and clothes that um, you know that we that we enjoy that we like. We feel we look good in. We don't have to wear shorts and t-shirts anymore. I get all that, and I want to say on the record, I'm a I'm a Halloween truther. From childhood on, okay, I'm I'm borderline weird about Halloween, Um, and so so I do I do like it. But people, when does the other shoe drop here? People's Uh, right, people's fascination (laughs) or not fascination, uh, uh, people's obsession with fall makes me hedge on embracing fall completely.
0: I mean, do you think do you think the weather is actually as good as people claim? Or you know, I know it's fall's been getting a little warmer around here in Missouri. I mean, are you fading even the weather? Like, what are you fading like in particular? Other than just hating other people's joy?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, yes, uh, joy makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, so, so that that makes fall very tough—a tough time for me. I'll say this about the weather. Um, I think I tweeted this last last fall, last October. When we think of uh, October, we think of an Id- idyllic scene, you know, sun in a cloudless sky, orange and red and, and yellow leaves everywhere, a nice breeze, 65, 70 degrees. I get that. And and sometimes that does happen. But really, the typical fall day is cloudy, 55 degrees and rainy. That's, that's the typical fall day. And I, I take no pleasure in reporting. That.
0: It does rain a lot in fall. What they also don't tell you is that it's 92 degrees on September 28th in St. Louis, Missouri. We're gonna do a real quick sub question of this. Do so? You don't like? Do you like overcast days? I actually like overcast days. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like Morrissey. You know i just like it when it's cloudy um <laughs> yeah right i actually like overcast days
1: do you yeah well on overcast days you can stay in your room and write songs about heartbreak yes uh um, more, more easily i do
0: all the time right, <laughs> right. i play guitar uh, you know i haven't been with the same woman for almost 20 years um right.
1: so exactly and, and i mean i uh, overcast days i sit inside and i write uh heartbreak songs over aj brown you <laughs>
2: know, so. there
0: you go uh there you go <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's going to be a long fall for A.J. Brown, uh, managers. And uh, A.J., just uh, really glad that now you have two body parts of concern. Uh, with the, you know, the hamstring and the knee, too. You know, two very unimportant uh, body parts for a football player. It's not it's uh, not working
1: out like I thought. No. I, I, it, it, <laughs> no. It would work out. I'll say that.
0: Uh, so this is the worst transition in the history of the world. But I'm going to read it anyway because I wrote it down. We go from fall to the fall <laughs> of ben roethlisberger folks there you go who has picked up where he left off last season as an immobile pocket sloth who no longer has the arm strength to do anything beyond dump it off 19 times to his rookie running back denny is the big ben crisis to the point where like all the, i'll say all are all three of these receivers falling out of the top 24 is Najee harris ever going to get positive game script like what what is the I mean, we're all alarmed but what is your alarm level on the big ben crisis
1: I don't know how to answer this because I'm I'm uh, still reeling from you calling Ben Roethlisberger a sloth.
0: I stole that from Nick Minzio, who might have stolen it from somewhere else. Someone else, but the yeah. phrase "pocket sloth" is an old Roto World slash NBC Sports Edge I, inside joke, and he definitely fits the bill.
1: I've never heard of Roto World, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah, no, it's it's a, a complete disaster um, through and through. You know, there was a, a good piece on on the Ringer last week about how. Matt Canada, the new offensive coordinator, you know, brought a a new look to the Pittsburgh offense, including lots of pre-snap motion, which they just didn't have um, for for years, really, with the Steelers. And it doesn't work. None of it can work (laughs) if Ben Roethlisberger can't, you know, can't get it downfield, can't be accurate, can't at least move around a little bit and avoid uh, a pass rush. He can't do any of that right now. Um, I, I really do think that there's there's no hope for the Steelers offense. I and, and, and speaking of the uh the, the target numbers for Najee Harris, uh nineteen, correct? Probably on-
0: more more than a normal amount of running back targets. Right. I agree.
1: <laughs> so we, so I, I actually I actually thought when I saw that first on Sunday afternoon, probably around five o'clock, and I saw Najee Harris nineteen targets, I thought no. That did not happen. That could not have happened. That that's a misprint, I'm or I'm misunderstanding. He has 19 targets over three games. That's what I thought. <laughs> but, but even that—that's alarming. That's alarm. That's very alarming.
0: I yeah, I mean that's a horrible sign for the offense, and it's coming. Even you know he's cleared 10 carry. Well, he's cleared 10 carries twice, but he's yet to have a 50 yard day on the ground. He's yeah. averaged under four yards per carry all three of his games. Like the targets he has, really, like another canary in the coal mine because. Najee just has no running room whatsoever because the offensive line is shaky, you know, just beyond Ben Roethlisberger. But I mean, defense is, I mean, the Bengals just teed off on Ben Roethlisberger. He can't drive the ball at all. And he's not even like Peyton Manning was at the end of his career. He's not like compensating with ball placement. You know, he's got some big targets. I mean, Chase Claypool is one of the biggest targets in the NFL, having trouble finding him. He finally found him Sunday after Juju Smith Schuster joined Deontay Johnson on the shelf. But He's not driving the ball yet. He's not compensating with ball placement. And there's no margin for error for his receivers. There's no room to run for his running back. And, you know, this, he only came back after taking a massive pay cut. And it seems like inconceivable for someone like Ben Roethlisberger, someone who's been starting for 17 years, the Super Bowls, 5,000-yard passer, etc. But I really think he could get benched where there might be just no way they could hide him. For 17 right. It may be like a 2015 Peyton Manning thing Where they kind of make up an injury to bench him So it's not like a straight up benching But it's looking almost impossible to me That Ben Roethlisberger actually makes 17 starts
1: They'll be able to come up with that injury pretty easily yeah. if, you, if you take a look at some of the hits that he's taking there. I mean, he's being walloped back there Because he, he's not moving He can't move And that offensive line can't protect him at all You know, but what is the answer? You know, Mason Rudolph? Like no, uh, we know, we, we we know get... who it is.
0: It's Diamond Dwayne Haskins. Yeah.
1: Perhaps. I mean, um, I, I feel like we're we're on that path here for a week eight uh, Dwayne Haskins start. And that might be that might be too far out. We might it might be like week six. But um, just fantasy wise, I was feeling better and better about the Bengals defense coming into week three um i unfortunately i didn't talk about them i know
0: i know i kind of the same way i kind of didn't want to say that one out loud evan silva our dear friend was kind of was kind of pumping them yeah i'm like yeah you know he might be right about that and then he was very
1: right so i mean uh, from a streaming perspective you, you definitely need to uh you know stream defenses against the steelers with with no fear
0: yes which is just a crazy it's just not surprising i mean Ben is kind of this guy. He like outran Father Time for a while. I mean, I know he's not as old as some of these other. He's old. He's going to be turning forty next year. But uh, I mean, he's taken so many hits. Talk about a guy who's taking so many lower body hits too. Yeah. Um, it's shocking he didn't slow down sooner, and it just seems very difficult to believe he can outrun this one. Denny, the next one, one you wanted to talk about, one we should definitely be talking about, Damian Harris, who mm-hmm. he hasn't been outright canceled since his Week One lost fumble. But he's seen his snap share fall from 53% in week one to 41% in week two and then 31% in week three. Yeah. That was even with James White getting injured. Uh, he lost snaps to Brandon Bolden. Uh, is this as big of a crisis as it appears at first blush, or is there is there a path for Damian Harris to kind of get back on the right path?
1: I, you know, maybe um, in the right game script. I, I think that he, he now becomes – or I, I would say game script, game, game flow now becomes a, a major issue for Damian Harris because, um, as um, uh, as Bill Callahan from, or not, I'm sorry, Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. I
0: said Bill Callahan, the indie folk singer-songwriter, not the offensive line. I, you know, I,
1: I think you you put that into my head.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Andrew um, Callahan, the Boston reporter.
1: Yeah. So he he uh, talked today about how. Uh, Harris struggled again in week three with pass protection. And we know that the Patriots don't play that game. And, no. and, and I mean, and neither do uh, most teams, you know. No. I
2: mean,
0: it, it, yeah, and yeah, the Patriots defense. And a yeah. r- real quick aside, we're talking about tight ends, you want to be bad at blocking running backs you better be throwing hellacious blocks yeah. and you know you need to you didn't you, you couldn't block miles garrett i mean i'm gonna have to bench you yeah i'm sorry
1: exactly uh, but yeah so
0: anyways uh sorry. Yeah. You your so, thought.
1: so i you know i think i think that 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 is a a, a major factor going forward now I, this doesn't mean that brandon bolden is a fantasy uh relevant player he's not he's a special teamer they kind of had him in uh, on an emergency basis against the Saints last week uh, because James White went down with a fair with what seemed to be a serious injury. Bolden led the team in in backfield snaps um, because he was he was and is a, a better blocker than Harris. So you look forward to week four, just just for instance, and the Bucks are heavy favorites in New England there's zero chance that Damian Harris is going to benefit from positive game script here. And, and so you're going to have, you're going to have pretty much anybody else in the backfield protecting Mac Jones as he throws 50 times against Tampa. Um, I I think it could be a long-term issue for Harris.
0: I mean, we knew heading into the season that Damian Harris was mostly just a two down back and how they're often subject to like the whims of game flow and game script. But it's just kind of been like the worst-case scenario in that regard for Damian Harris. Because like you said, Bucks the game script will be bad. And it's just an awesome run defense, a really, really bad matchup. Week five, he can maybe instantly bounce back against the Texans. Even though the Texans' defense has been kind of weirdly feisty, actually. But then you got week six against the Cowboys. I mean, that's no way he's going to be able to like get established in that game, which could just be a track meet. Then he's got the Jets. So he's got two really good matchups, two really bad matchups. I think he's just settled in. He's not going to rise above basically matchup dependent status, right? He can still be an RB two, I think, maybe for like these Texans and Jets games, but mm-hmm. you can't have any RB two faith basically for games like the Bucks and the Cowboys and the Chargers. After that, he's just purely matchup dependent, it appears.
1: Yeah, and, and I think if you if you have if you're in a position where you you have another player who who might see. You know, more touches, more playing time has a better has has more uh, game script going in his favor this week. I think you you seriously consider benching Damian Harris. He's a I, he's like a fringe starter, I think, in twelve team
0: leagues this week. He has one quick thing to watch in the Patriots back is Ramondre Stevenson's not exactly known as a pass catcher either, but he is a better pass catcher than Damian Harris. Yes. Um So Ramondre could maybe immediately uh, revive, and you know, as the world turns. If ever in the plays. Patriots backfield never, never a normal one in the Patriots backfield. Um, The New York Football Giants, did I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's just never happened before. But they're in crisis. Just unprecedented moment for that franchise, uh being in crisis. The New yeah. York Giants and one of the many fronts where the war is raging is the receiver core. Both Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are battling hamstring injuries. You know, Sterling Shepard, another the. This, he was like the, the ultimate, the one thing he could not do is get hurt because that's what he always does. Got off to such an amazing start, and, of course, yes. he's already hurt. Uh, it was famously week five, Denny, in 2014 where Odell Beckham broke out for the Giants. Oh. Are you guaranteeing something similar for Kadarius <laughs> Tony this week four?
1: Absolutely. Lock him in for <laughs> 10 catches, 180 yards. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, well, um, (laughs) so you, you want to, you have some Tony
0: facts, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: I I do. Yeah. So he, he played, uh, 66% of the Giants offensive snaps last week against Atlanta with, uh, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard out with hamstring issues. Uh, I guess Slayton is definitely out. Uh, well, they're probably both out this week.
0: Yeah. I Um, mean, Sterling Shepard, he doesn't have like a history of hamstring injuries, but he did have a hamstring injury in 2017. And he's just a guy, he misses games every year. You assume he is out until proven otherwise. The
1: the, the thinking among Giants beat writers today is that Tony will just uh, be the slot receiver and, you know, in, in um, place of Sterling Shepard. So last week against the Falcons, like I said, he got a lot of playing time talking about Tony Tony ran 82.4% of his pass routes from the slot against the Falcons. It didn't amount to much. I mean, he caught, he caught two or three passes, Um, but you know, he could just like the the team could be forced to use their first round pick. Imagine that. Uh, And, and with, with everybody out, um, you know, I guess you could do worse in deeper PPR formats. Um, is, Is Kenny Galladay a better option? Yeah, I guess. Um, but Tony's going to be in there a lot this week.
0: You mean if Tony's actually playing in the slot uh, as weird, as gross as it'll feel, I mean, he is going to be like a fantasy consideration. Yeah. Might even have to get get him in like the top 48 in the rankings. You might consider him like a very high variance DFS tournament option because he is a first round pick. He was labeled basically as an athlete, like as Mm -hmm. an offensive weapon. Yeah. Like the kind of guy who can make game breaking plays when he gets the ball in his hands. So, If that narrative stays throughout the week, uh, that will be interesting. I mean, it's hard to say anything with the the Giants is interesting, really. Like, how high can the ceiling really be? But Kadarius Tony in the slot definitely has my attention. Yeah,
1: and and, and Joe Judge, uh, as much as it pained him, he did say that the team (laughs) is focused on uh, getting the ball or getting Tony more touches. He said, quote, we've got to get him the ball, and we definitely want to. So he Tony has that going for him headed into week. Four. He
0: does have that. Going. Yeah, the first round pick wanting to get the first round pick involved, ball. Like you said that is a that's groundbreaking concept from the New York Football Giants. And yeah. this could change the game if there are teams out there getting their first round picks involved. Speak of uh, first round picks, uh, Micah Parsons for the Dallas Cowboys, Trayvon Diggs, second year second rounder, are making plays for the Dallas Cowboys defense, kind of completely changing the complexion of this group. They look just totally different. Um, they appear good. I mean, it's easy for a defense to appear good against Jalen Hurts, but, you know, they held their own against Tom Brady. Uh, they held their own against Justin Herbert, th- which th- that was that was just something that never happened last year. Like, if they faced a good offense, there was no holding their own. There was giving up 500 yards of offense, basically. And Trayvon Diggs, Micah Parsons are like legitimate playmakers, it appears. Danny, what does a good Dallas defense mean for Dak Prescott and company?
1: Yeah, uh, it's probably not great, I would say for at least for fantasy ceiling purposes. I know that Dak, you know, got by, I think he had 21 22 fantasy points last night in most, you know, normal formats. Um you know, CeeDee Lamb had a slow night, Amari Cooper had a slow night. Uh, Cedric Wilson saved his night with a touchdown and the the cornerstone of the franchise, Dalton Schultz had a big night. So um, I, I, anyway, I, I don't I don't think it's good. So here, here are some numbers about why it may not be good uh, for the Dallas offense. The, the Cowboys through three weeks have a 47 percent pass rate when leading. OK, so and that, that's one of the lowest in only six teams have a lower pass rate while leading.
0: Jason Garrett never left is what you're saying.
1: They are establishing hard when they get the lead. Um, and, and, and so that, that, that defense excelling and shutting teams down creates that sort of script, you know, and, and it's, um, it could be, you know, it could, it could have a major impact over the long Um, they, the Cowboys do have the 10th highest pass rate overall, which is not exactly what we were expecting when we were drafting Dak and Amari and, and CD lamb and everybody, uh, early in drafts. Um, so I, I, I do think, you know, I don't like it. I don't like it. Dallas, if you could be less good on defense, (laughs) it would be fantastic for everybody, uh, for all fantasy managers.
0: Maybe the pass rate has a little bit to do with injury since Michael Gallup got hurt. Amari Cooper has been banged up back to back weeks, but yeah, it doesn't really seem like that's the case. It just seems like they're a balanced offense and a balanced team and the running, you know, unlike some of the Jason Garrett Joker days, like the running doesn't feel like it's establishing it, like just to establish it. Like yeah, right. it actually feels like it's like accomplishing its purpose, and it will be something to watch. Because uh, yeah, if we're not getting, because week one like kind of set like unrealistic expectations. Because of course, it was like the shootout to end all shootouts, yeah. which is going to happen very frequently with the Tampa Bay Bucks, especially as their secondary is kind of undermanned. So yeah, I do think. Maybe they're not quite as balanced as they've appeared the past two weeks, but my guess is they're definitely going to be closer to the past two weeks than they were in week one, and that's right. problem.
1: And, and I mean, the uh, the Bucks are like the ultimate pass funnel defense, too. I mean, everybody has to pass against them because, you know, because they shut down the run uh, so effectively. So that that's that's why we saw what we saw in week one. Um, and it really, I mean, it got me excited, uh, but the last two weeks have, have been a, a bucket of cold water, over that that idea that we were back to 2020, Dak Prescott lighting the league on fire.
0: Except for the Dalton Schultz, Schultz hive. We are legion. Um, we know that uh, we're moving on from David Montgomery Nation to uh, Dalton yeah. Schultz Nation. Yeah. And uh, he's the Blake Jarman who was promised Dalton Schultz, folks. You sure. um, know, one more topic before we get to our guest, Jen Eakins. But Uh, The anti-Damian Harris so far has been James Robinson. He's seen his touch totals increase from 8 to 14 to 21. He's popped on film. He's looked very good for the second year in a row. I mean, uh, he appeared to be a good football player last year. Urban Meyer was like, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, He just makes him prove it on the field, and he's done that. Denny, does does James Robinson feel like top 20 secure to you at this point? I mean, he he was RB1 for a lot of last season. That – still seems unlikely, but is Damon Harris like back to being like a set and forget RB two?
1: Yeah. Uh, not, not Damon Rob- Harris,
0: excuse me, James Robinson.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I, I think that that's, that's a, a pretty locked in take for now. Um, you know, I think Urban Meyer has, has relented in his mission to uh, you know, make James Robinson not be a thing this year. Uh, Carlos Hyde last week uh, played 34% of the team snaps and had nine carries. Um, importantly he had no targets so Hyde is not involved in the passing attack and for a terrible team that's going to be trailing and going to be throwing a lot this year that that is that is a critical factor here James Robinson had 21 touches played almost 60 percent of the snaps versus the Cardinals and uh, he caught six of six targets I you know especially for PPR purposes I, I'm, I'm sorry I can't help you if you're playing in standard leagues but um, <laughs> I can try but I might not be very good So Robinson in PPR formats has, I think has a pretty solid floor going forward uh, since he dominates the pass catching work out of that backfield.
0: We will fire you by the way, if you give standard league advice, I I just wanted to read a tweet from Jay Moyer football on Twitter last night. We're talking about James Robinson. It said urban Meyer drafted a running back in round one, signed his buddy, Carlos Hyde tried to go pass heavy. James Robinson still found a way. He did still find a way.
1: He did. The, I, I, I mean, persistent. You know, he James Robinson is nothing if not persistent.
0: We got, we got to give him props. We got to give him props. Uh, we'll be right back with Jennifer Eakins. Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you are eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus, and do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 and get 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off at NBCSportsEdge.com win. We welcome in Jennifer Eakins. Uh, she, yeah, much to her surprise right in the middle of the show. Uh, you know her from 444 4 Football and more recently this little website called NBC Sports Edge where you can catch her play at your own risk column every Wednesday. Jen, you've been having great success with the fades thus far. But with three games in the books, we're going to talk players who could kind of become a concern from a season long perspective. And you wanted to get things started with the player that probably every single human being uh, who knows about football is concerned with, Allen Robinson. And uh, Jen, just this, this immediately. La- I'm not even yeah, sorry. I didn't like really say hello or anything. I'm just immediately jumping good. into the Allen Robinson talk.
2: It's all good. Hi, guys.
0: Oh, yeah. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm
2: good. I'm excited. I I, I love a daytime pod. They don't happen that often, but they're fun.
0: They don't. And, Jen, real quick, do you like fall? Denny faded fall, the season of fall at the beginning of the show.
2: Dude, absolutely not. It's my favorite, 100%. I don't know. How can you... First of all, how can you be in this business and fade fall?
0: A. Pat,
1: Pat is he is spreading disinformation. Maybe misrepresenting his comments a you little know, bit. Uh, oh,
0: okay. Well, no, yeah, hold, yeah. hold on. He clearly wanted to fade fall, but like fall is so unimpeachable that like even right. Denny basically couldn't poke holes in it. Is yeah, kind of what mean, happened. How can you?
1: How can you totally fade it? And Jenna, I'm I'm happy to have an, uh, another kicker truther on. Uh, Pat said he'll get the lawyers involved if we talk about kickers, so we'll have to do that off air.
0: And they're, they're tenacious, unfortunately, the lawyers. Listen, so.
2: last week was a really good kicker week. So it that was one, one week, for, you know, in the win column for us. There was a lot yep. of fun cooker, cooker, kicker stuff uh, last Absolutely. week. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's. I guess we can get back to Alan Robinson because I know the folks are probably uh, chomping at the bit to hear about that. Yeah, they are, but this um, also
0: we need – I'm just going to cut you off immediately yeah. because, I'm, because I'm a good host. And this is just give a shout to the kickers. Back-to-back weeks with 60-plus yard field goals. Um, the kickers are inheriting the earth. They're taking back their right. They they belong in fantasy leagues. Absolutely. They've
2: always belonged in fantasy leagues, pad.
0: They have always belonged. That is true. They belong, always will, always have. And kickers, <laughs> uh, we love you. Okay. Anyway, Allen Robinson, do we love Allen Robinson, Jen?
2: You know, we do love Allen Robinson. Um, I don't love Allen Robinson's... Life right now, his situation. I mean, look, we all know, right? Alan Robinson has always been QB proof, or at least until this point, right? Um, it, now the question is, is he coach proof, right? I mean, we're in a position where, I mean, I don't know what's happening, you know, with that team in general. Um, but yeah, it's one of those funny things that we've always kind of written up. It's always been kind of the narrative for him that he's, you know, he's QB proof and has been so far. Um, this season, I don't know. You know, he's the target leader. But does it matter on this offense? We're not really sure. I mean, the one good thing I will say about Robinson, I don't, you know, this column that I write is, you know, play at your own risk. And, and people sometimes interpret that as you must bench, and that is not what, what it's what's about. Um, it's just kind of like proceed with caution, think about it. If you have another play, you may want to go with it. Um, so uh, Robinson, when doing some research, I looked, and he does have a really nice set of matchups on the horizon. Um, weeks five through eight, he gets Vegas. Green Bay, Tampa Bay and the Niners, who are um, no, none of them are higher than 21st right now against wide receivers. So he does have a nice, soft little, you know, path ahead. But, uh, I, you know, I think we should all be worried about him and be worried about, you know, their quarterback situation and their coaching situation. I mean, is Nagy going to make it much longer You know, doing what he's doing? I don't know.
1: No, you know, no one, including Allen Robinson, could have survived the supermassive black hole that was the Chicago <laughs> offense last week against against the Bears. Uh, and and so I I don't know if you can we can totally overlook that game and just hope that some sort of rational coaching kicks in and they're not as as horrific going forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if you drafted Allen Robinson, say in a ten team league. You've got to have better options right now. I mean, I'm I'm sure you do. And in some leagues, you don't. I mean, in Twelve team
0: leagues, you might. I mean, you might,
1: you might. It it, it kind of depends on on how you draft it. If you started with fifteen receivers like I do, <laughs> you probably do. But um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a thing. You know, Mooney too. Uh, Daryl Mooney. I mean, Darnell Mooney. I should say uh, is is pre- pre- pretty much a non factor now, and that's and that's hugely disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think you guys, are, Jen was making this point, are on to something where it might really be the coaching more than the Not that, so I think maybe we're getting a little overboard blaming Matt Nagy for like, all of. Uh, <laughs> it's Justin. fun though, right? Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, when a player <laughs> is that bad, I guess we have to assign some blame to the actual player. Um, but Matt, I mean, we know Matt Nagy's not actually trying to get fired. But if you know that Justin Fields is this raw, like this is not ready. Uh, you would be mistaken for thinking he was trying to get, you were trying to get fired on Sunday where ESPN had some insane stats where so Justin Fields had 30 dropbacks. They called up max protect on two of those dropbacks. They called up pre-snap motion on four. They only called two designed rollouts, only two designed quarterback runs. Drew Brees was talking on football night in America, actually like why would you not get Justin Fields on the perimeter where he could quote unquote like see throws, you know, put him in a position to succeed. And they just categorically did not do that. Uh, They did it in the preseason, which was really weird. Yeah. Denny, I I saw you tweet about that. I think, right. They actually did do that in the preseason, Justin Fields. So why on earth they didn't do it against miles Garrett is extremely bizarre, but Yeah, I don't know. Matt Nagy's got something bothering him or something. They have, look, they have the
1: plays in the playbook we saw in August. Like I wasn't hallucinating. (laughs) Like, you you know, they had him, uh, they had Justin Fields running RPOs, running options, all sorts of creative fun stuff that, uh, that took advantage of his elite athleticism. And they did almost none of that against Cleveland. It's, it's just, it's beyond curious. Okay. It is baffling. It's the, one of the more baffling things I've ever seen.
0: And the really bad news for Allen Robinson might be that the good news is Andy Dalton. <laughs> right? Like say Andy Dalton like actually is the better option than Justin Fields right now, which I mean, we can't rule out after seeing the way Justin Fields played the past two weeks. Like the good option is Andy Dalton. So, I agree with Jen that we should be playing at our own risk with Allen Robinson. Uh, Jen, who do you want to talk about next?
2: Let's talk about Robert Woods, because he's uh, he's kind of crushing me in a lot of leagues. And um, I think we need to be concerned about Robert Woods moving forward. You know, it's one of those things, right? We all went into the season thinking it would be kind of a 1A, 1B, right? Or, or, or even a 1A, 1A, whatever, him, him and Cup. And uh, it's clearly not that. No. <laughs> um, I mean, Cup, you know, <laughs> Cup, it, Cup has 11 targets a game, and Woods has 6.3. And that, that's a pretty – pretty big difference. There. It's like a
0: lot starker than I even realized.
2: <laughs> yeah. And when you look at it, like, uh, and so we're at a point now that Woods just has no ceiling. Like, what do we do with him? And he's one of those guys, you know, similar to Robinson. He was being drafted in that same, you know, ADP range. And, uh, and he's putting up, you know, not the points that, that, we were expecting from him. And, you know, Matt Stafford clearly has something going with, with Cooper cup. And, you know, that offense is, is fantastic. And somehow Woods is, is you know, sitting on the sidelines there. So I'm not sure, um what we do with him you know it's one of those things it's very similar to Robinson in that you if in a 10-team league you probably have somebody better at the moment I mean we'd like to think right that it's going to even out at some point or not necessarily even out per se but get a little bit better on on the, you know and, and I mean you know Woods has that rushing upside that is one of the reasons that I always like to target him because he's someone that can get that sneaky rushing play you know a couple of them a game if possible and that's just not happening either so uh, I think we definitely need to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. proceed with caution with him moving forward. The
1: uh, the problem for Robert Woods is that you know Cooper Cup eats up all the intermediate and short stuff, and they have Deshaun Jackson and Van Jefferson for the long stuff. So where 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 does Woods come in? I don't know. Like you watch you watch last week's game against the Bucks, and and it's you know you you see a, a lot of good receivers catching balls from a good quarterback, and you're wondering. What place does he have here? And the answer to, you know, through three weeks is none. He has no place. Um, He does have 18 targets, I will say, and that's not nothing, okay? Like, he hasn't been, like, phased out of the offense. He's still in there, you know, basically all the time. Week one was a little weird with his snap count. I don't know what was happening there, but week two and week three, it normalized, Uh, you know. You know, I, I really like, like Robinson, you probably have someone with a better floor and ceiling than Woods right now.
0: The good news is that unlike Robinson, Robert Woods is at least in a positive offensive environment. Um, yeah. His average intended air yards, according to next-gen stats, is actually it's up from 7.1 last year to 9.7. So maybe in theory, uh, he's getting put in like better position to make plays, make big plays, but that also just could be indicative of the way his targets have decreased, and he was getting so many more targets – they were closer to line of scrimmage and dragging down his average depth of target, but he was just getting way more targets. Um, so there are, he's only run two more routes than Van Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's good that he's in this good offense with this good coach and this good quarterback, but yeah, it's hard to find things to really cling to with Robert Woods. Uh, do, we, do we have any closing thoughts on Robert Woods from anybody here? Or It's bleak. It's, it's bleak. It's, and Bleak's a bit strong. I mean, maybe not actually, I don't but, uh, know. Man. I feel like you know, the,
1: the, the Rams go out and score a million points and throw for 10 million yards against Tampa. And he's not involved at all. I mean, he catches three balls. Come on. That's that's yeah, pretty,
0: that one's that one's pretty hard to spend. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: you can't you can't win, you know, in fantasy with with Robert Woods getting you single digit points every week. It's just not going to happen. So,
0: yeah, not where he was drafted. It, it's bleak. And Denny too, like uh, I don't know, maybe the Rams are too good because, like you know, they're playing from ahead even against the Bucks, and just maybe that volume's is never going to materialize. Right,
1: uh, right, yeah. I, it's uh, if he couldn't get involved in in that, you know, just dismantling of the Bucks uh, <laughs> secondary last week, I, I, I'm I'm concerned. I will say that
0: that was that was concerning. That was concerning. Uh, we'll be right back with a few more players with Eakins. The NFL season is in full swing and the NBC sports predictor app has you covered with Sunday night seven predict what will happen on Sunday night football for a chance to win up to $100,000 every week. It is free and easy to play download today from your app store or visit NBC slash predictor. Jen, the next one we're going to bring up is the one that is near and dear to my heart. Um, it's actually two players, but one of them, Calvin Ridley, I uh, may or may not have a lot riding on. And you're here to talk about Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, who uh, I hate to say it, but they certainly seem like play at your own risk players going forward this season.
2: Uh, I, too, am am very heavily invested in Calvin Ridley. Heavy. Um, heavy. We're talking heavy. Yeah, same. Very, very heavy. <laughs> um, not Pitts, though, and I'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, Ridley, it's – I don't know what is go- – I mean, listen, we know that uh, Matt Ryan is not playing well. The offensive line is not playing well. Atlanta is not playing well. Um, but his usage is puzzling too. I mean, he doesn't really, he's not involved on these big plays that we're used to seeing from Ridley. You know, he's, I think he's got 8.8 yards per catch right now. Like that's not normal for him. Uh, it,
0: it, that's like decent for a running back. Yeah. I mean, that's good for a uh, first round yeah. wide receiver.
2: Yeah. And so it's like, okay, is it Matt Ryan? Is it Arthur Smith? Is it both? Is it all of it? Um, either way, it's definitely concerning. I mean, he was a, you know, borderline first rounder, early second rounder this season, and um he is not performing as such, you know, yeah. and I don't know I don't it's tough. It's one of those things like is it gonna is it gonna get any better? I don't know. You know, is the is the roadmap there for it to get better? Not really. So it's a little scary. He
1: he had eleven targets last week, which is which is good, which is a mm-hmm. good development. Um, you know, he is averaging talking about Calvin Ridley averaging 8.8 yards per catch this season. That is a steep decline from his career yards per catch of 13.8 and his 2020 yards per catch of 15.3. Okay, so we're talking about you know around double what it is uh, today. Um, he's also not getting – well, the, the Atlanta offense, whether it's Matt Ryan's arm or, or, or Arthur Smith's game plan or whatever, they're not being aggressive at all through the air – uh, Ridley through week three has three targets of more than 20 yards downfield. He has caught none of them. Uh, this is the same guy who in 2020 led the entire league in uh, downfield targets and receptions. Uh, he's not getting that at all. Like that's not not happening in Arthur Smith's offense. And that's, you know, when you drafted him, you had the thought that, oh, that'll, that'll continue in some fashion. And it, and it hasn't.
0: Yeah, you know who averages 8.8 8 yards per catch is <laughs> Jason Witten. That's who averages 8.8 8 yards per catch, not our precious Cal. And just building on what you guys have said, I mean, I, th- I think it is a little bit of everything. We've definitely got some Ben Roethlisberger syndrome going on with Matt Ryan where he's an old, immobile quarterback playing behind a terrible offensive line. It's hard to hide those kind of people. It's hard to have time for plays to develop, and that's another thing. Like, there's just no – so we, they drafted Kyle Pitts, who we're about to talk about, but there is yeah. n- literally no one else in their super core. I mean, Russell Gage is not getting game planned for by opposing teams. Olamide Zacchaeus is not getting okay. game planned for. <laughs> you can roll essentially your entire cornerback core to Calvin Ridley, and he's just got all these factors conspiring against. Him. But he does still have the volume, and we know he's a playmaker. So real quick, though, speak. it's like Rich Rebar, our friend, uh, posted some – Pretty alarming Calvin Ridley stat where, like, last year his, his average depth of target was 15.2 yards, this year it is nine. Um, and that just has to be a function of all that. There's not time for plays to develop, uh, he's just getting so much defensive attention. Um, but the volume, unlike Allen Robinson, who's in like a totally hopeless environment, Robert Woods, who's not the number one for his team, Calvin Ridley will have some like sheer force of volume, will basically. Yeah. Where he can stay in the top 18 for sure, he'll still probably be a top 12 option a lot of weeks. It's not like uh, the season is over crisis with Calvin Ridley. It's just a guy where we have to adjust to expectations, I think. And you're not going to get what you thought you were getting, right. but it can still be very valuable for your team. Yeah,
1: he's not a league winner. He's not a league loser. He's, yeah. He's a team you're
2: team not, team. yeah,
0: you're not. Yeah, you're not going to bench him.
2: You know, we we. I mean, I, like, and I'm speaking personally, I'm not going to bench him. But at the same time, it's one of those things, you know, proceed with caution. Lower your expectations, realize that he's not going to be who, we, who he was last year and who we thought he was going to be this year. And, so, you know, it's as we can transition to Kyle Pitts, is another guy that, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I almost included Kyle Pitts in my, in my, Drop column this week for 444 oh, I was really close, but I didn't want to deal I honestly didn't want to deal with the pitchfork At my door
0: situation Jen, you would have been fired if you did that um, play,
2: Yeah, so. I know, and listen, I have been Not on Kyle Pitts from the beginning I have not been like same, actually. Um Yeah, I don't have one, I have not drafted him Once in over 50 drafts that I did This offseason, so um, I'm not Concerned about him from my personal perspective um, But, you know, it, listen His ADP was too high to begin with It just was, um He's not performing well, even for someone whose ADP might've been a few rounds later. Um, you know, he's got, I think he's averaging six and a half, half PPR points a game right now. Um, and, you know, he's being used in, in ways that we thought he was, right? He's being used in the slot. He's being used out wide. He's still not producing, uh, or at least to the level that, that you know, he's the, the generational talent that he was touted uh, this off season. And, you know, it's one of those things. Listen, historically, rookie tight ends do not perform for fantasy. If you go back, actually, there's a stat. So first round, like first NFL, first round NFL pick tight ends. Um, There's only been one in like the last 30 years. And it's been Jeremy Shockey, who's been a fantasy tight end, starting tight end at the end of the season. I botched that entire thing. But you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) So Jeremy Shockey is the only first round pick who's actually been a starting fantasy tight end, you know, at the end of the season. So Coming into that, it was kind of stiff to, to even think that he was going to be who everyone thought he was going to be. And when you look at ADP, you could have gotten Tyler Lockett. You could have gotten Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen you could have gotten DJ Moore right in that range. And, you know, people are now struggling with Pitts. And you're going to have to trot him out every week because tight end is ugly. And you're not going to drop him. And you're not going to pick up Pat fryer even though you probably should at this point. But, um, no, so it's tough. I mean, people that drafted Pitts, unfortunately, are, are in a pickle. Um but like Ridley, hopefully, you know, if the volume is there and if something happens, that he may, you know, end up being a serviceable tight end as we move forward.
0: I have many thoughts to throw to Denny. Uh, Denny, by the way, <laughs> tweeted that he was going to, uh, that Pat, he, Denny thinks Pat fireman is going to outpoint Kyle Pitts. He actually tweeted That's that the other day. Right. Um, so Denny, <laughs> That's right. So we're not yeah. dropping Calvin Ridley. So we said Calvin Ridley's <laughs> not going to lose seasons. Right. Denny, why is Kyle Pitts going to get Terry Fontenot fired? Uh, <laughs>
1: I, you know, I hate all, all this because I, unlike you guys, I got stars in my eyes and really, <laughs> really liked Pitts as, uh, I don't know, when I was getting him in the fourth and fifth round, I was like, ah, yeah, I, I'm going to get my starting tight end who has a really high ceiling. Now, a different time.
0: COVID cases were down. It was a different <laughs> time. It was.
1: Uh, it was. Yeah. We were riding around in wagons. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're in a points per, you know, usage league, uh, then Kyle Pitts is bl- blowing, <laughs> the ro- blowing the roof off, okay? He's being used every which way. We talked about that. Pat and I talked about that last week.
2: What um, a great idea. I'm all yeah. about the points per usage, Lee. Yeah. I'm so sorry, it, go
1: ahead. It would reward the process over the results, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Uh, Kyle Pitts is fourth in tight end uh, pass routes through week three. He has 104 pass routes. That's That's more than Logan Thomas, more than Mark Andrews, so on and so forth, more than Gronk. Just just below Travis Kelsey, um, you know he's being used a lot in the slot. He's being used out wide. He's always in there, huge snap count, and he's he's a victim right now of this completely lifeless Atlanta offense and passing attack. Um, I I don't I don't know if you can find a better option, you know usage wise. Actually, I know you can on the on the waiver wire. Um, are you going to start? You know Conklin over Tyler Conklin over Kyle Pitts, it might be getting to that. It might be getting to that point, but I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm (laughs) I'm going full sunk cost. I'm starting Kyle Pitts going forward.
2: I will say I want to add one thing real quick. I forgot to mention, um, and I actually did the research, so I want to throw it out there. Um, He has a Pitts actually has a really rough road um, in the next. You know, from weeks five through eight. Um he's got like he plays the fourth, seventh, fifteenth, and tenth ranked uh defenses against tight ends. So uh, it's not looking pretty for him in the next, you know, four or five weeks. Yeah, well, well, th- you- th-
1: thankfully he's not a tight end. Yeah, know, that, that
0: was guy. which was one of my anti Pitts right. arguments from the summer. Like, so you're telling me the positive case for this guy is that he doesn't actually play the position he's listed <laughs> as and so, I mean, listen, I was a h- enormous Kyle Pitts truther all summer. I have quite literally zero shares in Same. my season-long leagues. I have perhaps a few best ball shares, I'm assuming, best ball season-long, but you know what I mean. And, like, my managed season-long leagues, I have zero Kyle Pitch shares. I just – people I thought were, like, way out over their skis, just, like, you know, it's to project a Hall of Famer, basically, off – right off the bat is tough. But – I think he actually will remain a top eight redraft tight end. Just the usage is just so undeniable. The Falcons can't quite possibly be as bad as they've been. It's 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 weird. The schedule is very tough, Um, but there's a bit of like there's an opening where they have the Jets in Week Five, and then they have their bye in Week Six. He really really needs to take advantage of that matchup in the Jets. And they really, really need to calibrate during this week six bye. And he comes out with tough matchups. And the Dolphins, the Panthers, who have been playing elite defense, the Saints, and finally the Cowboys, but then the Patriots. So it's a tough schedule. But week five and the week six bye, basically how they adjust is going like to make or break Kyle Pitts' this season. And despite all the horrible indicators, I just think I – th- I think the usage is good enough. And the need is just desperate enough for the Falcons – I, I do think Kyle Pitts will stabilize and be a top eight option. It, I know that's not for certain, but I'm actually kind of finding myself taking the the positive Kyle Pitts argument, which I would not have predicted during the summer. And uh, I just uh, said a lot of things about Kyle Pitts before our last <laughs> player. Who is Robbie Anderson? Is it not Jen?
2: Yeah, Robbie Anderson's a bummer for me. I, <laughs> I, I well, because I invested in, in Robbie Anderson. I thought that. Um, you know, his, his usage, his production would be, you know, a little below DJ Moore, um, And his value was a lot better than DJ Moore. So I, you know, I, he was always there in the, you know, in those, you know, seventh, whatever round. And, and it was fantastic. So unfortunately I drafted a lot of Robbie Anderson. I believed in the, in the connect reunion, the, the Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, you know, reunion. <laughs> I, I believed in that I bought the narrative. No, I mean, it's, it's a bummer. He's not, uh, he's not getting anything. And, and, The thing that's frustrating too is that in the preseason we saw a little preview and he was getting more in the shorter and the intermediate routes than he has in the past. He's always kind of been the big play downfield guy and the preseason they were using him more in those different routes. So it was like, Ooh, maybe, you know, he's actually going to have more volume and he's actually going to be a legit part of this offense. And um, that's not happening. And it's a bummer because uh, he's, he's, you know, sinking, sinking fantasy teams around, uh, around the globe right now. And I don't know, That it's going to get any better because Carolina's playing well. I mean, they don't need to, you know, change anything as far as he's concerned. So, I don't know, you know. I mean, with McCaffrey legit out now, you know, maybe things will change. I don't know that he's going to get benefit from that at all, but he may.
1: Uh, Anderson is, you know, like Kyle Pitts is out there almost all the time uh, in the in the Carolina offense. He's run uh, ninety nine pass routes, which is second on the team, only behind DJ Moore. He's only seen 10 targets on those 99 pass routes, whereas Terrace Marshall, who has played mostly slot receiver, has had 14 targets on just 72 routes. Terrace Marshall is commanding, you know, more opportunity than Anderson in this offense. And then you have the, you know, I would argue somewhat inevitable uh, emergence of DJ Moore as as a, like a real alpha receiver you know, and, and that, that's, that, that's happened. We, it's, it's not happening. It already has already happened. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you're talking about Robbie Anderson as, as you may have talked about him back in his jets days as, as more of a, a very volatile week to week option.
0: I mean, Robbie, Matt rule did say they have to get Robbie Anderson more involved, but I mean, that's kind of like more involved, like to like, what's the extent there. Like what's the, the context there is that he's tied for 109th in targets with 11. So, I mean, he could easily get more involved with, like, four <laughs> or five targets per week, and that still wouldn't be enough. And what's really interesting is – so, like, on next-gen stats, and his average depth of target is 18.4 right now. That is third in the entire league, and that is double what it was last year. It was 9.6. Like, so, they have really – they've not only completely reversed his usage, it's gone, like, well beyond even how he was used with the Jets – where they're using him as, like, a real-deal pure field stretcher. And, like, you're getting into, like – there will still – but he'll end up still winning weeks because, I mean, he's going to score, like, 60 or 70-yard touchdowns sometimes. But if that's, like, the role they're serious about with him, I mean, the week-to-week consistency obviously will not exist. And you're going to be taking, like, a lot of zeros, basically.
2: Yeah, know. so good best ball guy, not good redraft guy. Right.
0: Right? And th- this <laughs> week will be super telling with McCaffrey injured – and Matt, you know, Matt Rule kind of like setting the stage for like a squeaky wheel game, basically. Sure. Um, if it doesn't happen this week, uh, it'll be very, very concerning for Robbie Anderson and hard to see really a wide receiver three pass path forward. Is that, is that too dramatic, Jen? I mean, do you think, will Robbie Anderson be a wide receiver three, in your opinion, or no?
2: I mean, I would like for him to be a wide receiver three at this point. That's kind of, you know, I don't know. I think he's more of a like wide receiver floor or wide receiver four, you know, flex dart throw when, when you really need it and a bi-week fill in because, you know, those are coming up, which, you know, so, uh, but yeah, I don't know that we can count on him, especially now after, uh, you know, your, your little next gen stats Um, thinking about that. It's like, Holy, I mean, I didn't realize it was that bad. Um, Yeah. I didn't
0: realize it was that bad either. (laughs) So,
2: yeah. I mean, I think he's someone that we have to kind of, you know, slide over to the bench and, and, and slot him in that flex if needed and, and bye weeks, but I feel like there have to be better plays on our on our rosters right now than him, unless we see some sort of change. But I don't know that that's it's, gonna happen.
1: It's very different from his twenty twenty usage where they the Panthers started to use DJ more, more as the field stretcher and Robbie Anderson as the intermediate target. It was a it was a weird, unforeseen situation and they seem to have Course corrected, and honestly, they're probably using Robbie Anderson at, in, in a yeah in a correct <laughs> way now. And, and last year, they really weren't, and they certainly weren't using DJ Moore in, in the in the no. right way last year. So they they figured it out, and therefore, uh, Robbie Anderson is a fringe fantasy
2: star. Mm-hmm.
0: So Jim, we're about to let you go. The show's almost over, but Denny. So we talked about benches and Robbie Anderson. Denny informed me. I mean, I might be misquoting him here a little bit. I think he said he's going to be benching Tyreek Hill, though, oh. going forward. And That's, he, has some, he has some Tyreek Hill, troubling Tyreek Hill stats he wanted to yeah,
1: well, well, no, actually, they, they're pretty encouraging for those who drafted uh, Hill, you know, in the first round this year. So, you know, obviously, he had that monster week, 197 yards against, uh, against Cleveland. Since then, uh, he has just eight catches on 11 targets for 70 yards over the past two weeks. Um, but when you look at his uh, peripheral stats through three weeks compared to 2020, it's very similar. And I think that that should be encouraging. So uh, Tyreek Kill has a 25% target share right now in 2021. He had a 23% target share last year. Um, he's accounted for 35% of KC's air yards this season. Last year, that number was 35%. Um, he had 13.2 air yards per target last year. That's dipped a little this year, it's 12.5 this year. Um, and then even his average coverage cushion this year is 5.6 exactly the same as 2020. So what I'm saying is don't freak out too much. Um, I don't I don't think the league has figured out the Kansas City offense and I think Tyreek Hill is is still going to deliver some some massive weeks. Uh, we just have to be patient.
0: Sorry, I, yeah. I misunderstood you. I thought you said drop him. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that, which is why I did not include him in this. Um Yeah, yeah there's zero reason to panic on Titan. Uh, you know. It
1: happens. Like like <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: You you take you take the two hundred yard, two touchdown week winning performance, and you you can you can look past uh, a couple slow weeks. At least at least I can. And I, I hope that other Hill drafters can do the same.
2: It's like Tyler Lockett, right? I mean, he had two fantastic weeks, and then he completely, you know, crapped yeah. the bed this week. And there's no reason to panic. He'll be fine.
0: It's, a, it's, a, it's a, this was last year was kind of the exception for Tyreek Hill, where it was like, like 10 to 12 targets every. This is a little more like he was, or, or any as a wide receiver one. Of course, he was always a wide receiver one. But like last year was a little bit of the exception where there was like no volatility. With Tyreek Hill, I think that'll still be more of the norm for him going forward. No volatility. He's just so important. They need him so badly for those targets. But, yeah, the nature of his skill set is that there will be some down weeks. It's frustrating. But, yeah, I see no reason to worry with Tyreek Hill, just like you guys. (laughs) So, yeah, do not drop Tyreek Hill. Jen, any (laughs) – Starting thoughts? Any any surprise players? Any surprise witnesses against any? Um... <laughs> no,
2: no, I got nothing. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go write uh, my my play at your own wrist piece here for NBC in a bit. Um, I haven't even started the research for that, but this was a very nice uh, precursor to that. So now I have it flowing in my brain as far as people to uh, you know temper our expectations for.
1: Jen, can I ask you a kicker question? Yeah. Right? Is it Evan? Is it, is it Evan McPherson season? Can you confirm this?
2: I can. He was actually my, he's my top streamer in my four for four article that dropped this morning. So uh, it, is, right. it is Evan McPherson season, at least for this week.
0: All right. It's the McPherson season and yep, we're all ready to retire to our writing caves as we get ready for week four. Uh, Denny, thank you for being here. Jen, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Really good stuff. Check out the play at your own risk. Com every Wednesday on NBC Sports Edge. It's really, really, really good stuff. Uh, we're so happy to have you writing for us. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, hopefully your seasons aren't already over. Got a few leagues <laughs> on 3. Uh, won't lie to you folks. I'll be honest with you. Open and up front. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jen. Bye, guys. Uh, catch us on the show all week, folks. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday.